there, Glocal Citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I am your host, Florence Adu, and we're coming back to part two of my conversation with Michelle Obuku Tatum. Michelle is an exertive, as a professional, as a professional certified executive coach, every day she finds herself conversing with amazing leaders and executives as they gather clues to help reshape their leadership approach and improve their skills. Hi there, Glocal Citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I'm your host, Florence Sadu, coming to you with part two of my conversation with Michelle Obuku Tatum. In case you missed it last week, Michelle is the founder of My Factor Coaching and Consulting, which she founded in 2007. Her firm is contributing to a world where high achieving leaders can show up as their best selves and create workspaces that inspire, motivate, include, develop, and show care for the teams they lead. So we're picking up the conversation with Michelle giving us a crash course on some leadership tips she has for some of our world leaders and much, much more. And you know, it's funny, I had this burning question, right? Because I've been saying this quite a bit, just being here in Ghana, watching world news, all of this, obviously the last many years in the US with leadership, we are in a leadership crisis across the board, <laughs> definitely amongst our, our political leaders. You know, it's, it's on many levels, right? And, and you know, I have a, a cousin who is a psychologist. And so she's like, you know, the problem is, is that narcissism is epidemic. And a lot of how that has manifested is because we have this thing called social media that allows people to like experiment with their narcissism in different ways, et cetera, et cetera. And so just to kind of bring it back a little bit, talking about leadership. So two things. We have this transition that just has taken place in the UK where we had a woman who was in a leadership role and now we have a new leader. So I want you to put your, your coaching hat on for a moment and tell us in terms of what you understand about this trust, what kind of coaching would you have given her to be a better leader? And what kind of coaching would you give to the new prime minister in terms of, you know, making sure, because, you know, his speech seemed to be in the, a step in the right direction, but, you know, it's clear, you know, my my issue with the whole thing to some extent is that there was a mandate that the party had. And so now you're just replacing some, them. And so they, they don't really have a party mandate. And that's a whole nother conversation, but we have what we have. So tell us your take. I love this question, Florence. I think um, I just really love the question. So it's easy to opine as an outsider, and so what I'm going to do is stay in my lane as a leadership coach. I'm not, I'm not a political strategist or a political expert. Um, so we can't, in coaching and in life, context is everything. So we can't overlook her predecessor. We also can't ignore Brexit. But we also can't excuse, use context to excuse poor leadership. So the first thing I would do, and this is very similar to when you're coaching a new leader that comes into a new position or is preparing to go into a new position. The first thing I would do is gauge their understanding of the situation that they're stepping into. So I would ask questions like, how would you describe the situation you're stepping into? What has happened? What needs to happen? happen? What are some of the pressing problems? I would also ask the question around support, because that's something that sometimes leaders tend to think that it's a solo sport. So when I ask a question around support, 
what I'm doing is sowing the seed for you can't do this by yourself, right? You need to think about strategic relationships and you also need to think about an internal feedback loop. And when you look at that, um, when you look at the situation, we know that they unveiled a mini budget and that mini budget included tax cuts, which were so out of touch with the modern realities of the, of the average Brit that it set off a not so mini economic crisis, which sent mortgage rates rising, plummeted the pound. And so in this case, see, depending, but we would normally have a non-disclosure agreement in place so that I can see things, but obviously I can't opine on them. So let's say I'd sat down and I'd looked at the budget. I would want to get a sense of, well, what are the pros and cons? Who's going to be impacted by the budget? How will they be impacted? And when they say how, I'm trying to get a sense of, did you actually speak to people? <laughs> did you speak to other people other than being in a room by yourself? And then the question I always ask is, what might you be missing? So once you've gone down that path, what you're really doing is you're trying to assess who are they listening to? Are they listening and who are they listening to? And what are they hearing? And then you're also trying to figure out, well, where are some of the gaps in their thinking and how can they round out that, that gap? Those, how can they sort of like plug those gaps by bringing in other perspectives? So we all know that change is hard. I mean, it's not, it, it's hard, but we also know that you have to bring people along. And so when you're coaching, you're always looking for like sources of inspiration or what we tend to use are metaphors. So I imagine if I was listening to Trust talk about like, or Trust talk about all the things that she was trying to do, I might say something like, you know, there's this idea of going slow to go fast. So you've been in office for 17 days and I'm listening to all these initiatives that you're trying to implement. How might the concept of going slow to go fast alter your course or not, just to try and pull them in. The last thing is around sort of like being humble and being human. And I would want to reinforce and understand that they recognize that leadership is not a solo sport. And I also talked about bringing people along. And, I, and we know that Trust failed to bring people along. She failed to bring her peers along, the party and the people. And she lost the confidence of the party and she threw Kwasi Kwartin under the bus. Because she threw him under the bus by implying that he hatched the mini budget by himself. And so, you know, what I appreciate most about coaching is that clients will usually share or apply what they're learning with their team, right? So let's say I've asked her all the questions that I just, um, some of the questions that I've laid out, I would expect her to be asking the same questions of Quartet about the plan, right? And so just to assess, is he listening to people? And maybe stress the importance of managing, maintaining relationships, um, mm -hmm. two-way relationships with the Office for Budget of Responsibility, as well as the Bank of England. Because one minute Trust said that they're not going to abolish the tax cut. And the next minute she's saying that Quartin didn't consult her on the budget. And so... <laughs> <laughs> Which is it? <laughs> Which is it? Yeah. But seriously, you're the British PM and someone is going to bring out a budget that you have not seen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that makes no sense. The last part of your question was around, um, so how would I coach Rishi? And I would say exactly the same way, because you start, I'm going to start at the beginning. So exactly the same way. Encourage him to think about the context and what needs to happen to restore stability and unity but exactly the same way. Right, right, right. Do you have a sense that he's he's starting at least in that space, you know, just based on, you know, what, what we've seen so far? And I mean, I think he's definitely going slow to go fast. So that seems I think he's going apparent. slow, mm -hmm. yeah. 
I think the um, Jeremy Hunt, the new Minister of Finance, um, he he even said that you know they went too far, too fast, and I think that he I think that he is slowing down, but the jury is still out. The jury's still out. I mean, it's a Tory party. Yeah. There's a lot (laughs) that we have to contend with. But again, I told you I'm staying in my leadership lane. Yes. Leadership coach lane. Yes, Um, yes, yes. I think it's really hard to say. What I encourage sort of like the, whoever's overseeing the leader, whether it's the board, whether it's the CEO, I always encourage them to sort of like give them space and grace for 100 days, 90 Mm. to 100 days Mm -hmm. to formulate a plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if he's coming up with plans in the first, I mean, obviously there are things that he's going to need to do that require, that are urgent, but um, I think you can tell a lot in that first 100 days, yeah. but it's still too early to, to apply. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, okay, all right, we like it. Yes, and so from, from your mouth to the ears of the British public and to the, the, the ears of the British Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when you say it like that, (laughs) we shall see. (laughs) Yes, we shall see. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit more about what's new in your space. So you've built a company that now you have actual staff, you know, you have other people working for you. So, you know, I feel like it's it's so amazing to now have a, a coaching firm. You know, we went from it's just me and now you have this coaching firm. And so how how is that working and what are you working on? Because you've kind of elevated yourself. Obviously, you still coach clients, but there's this bigger picture that you're also now focusing yeah. on. So tell us more about what's what's going on in that space. So one of the things that we've been experimenting with, and, and this really was born out of the last two years, that, you know, we, as you know, we went through a, a large reckoning and really what started to happen was that the phone nobody calls but like i start to get a lot of inquiries around can you help us can you help coach this executive and typically it was an executive who the team or a manager whose team had written a letter and they had threatened to to quit on mass mm, right a and team. so and teams yeah and it wasn't just one those it wasn't just yeah. one call i was getting yeah. a lot of calls like that like we need you to work with this executive or the ceo because you know xyz and so I start, I mean, I've been paying attention to these trends, right? I've been looking at what we talk about as what people are coining as the great resignation, the great breakup, quiet quitting. None of these are new phenomenons, right? These things have been happening for a while, right? And so what was coming to me was that this notion of there's not one size fits all when it comes to leadership development. What works for someone in the dominant culture doesn't necessarily work for a black woman, right? And so... And I was hearing a lot more from my clients during the pandemic as to ways in which they were showing up, sometimes more ease actually not being in the office place, not being on camera. Now at the beginning, you know, I was working with teams, it's like everybody needs to be on the camera, right? And then you start to realize, well, actually when people on camera, they're actually bringing people into their homes and the relationships prior to that were not conducive, you would never bring some of these people to your homes, right? So now that means I need to create a wall, right? And so the trends that I've been paying attention to, I've been thinking about research, I've been thinking about leadership presence. And we know from the Center of Talent for for Innovation that, you know, when you think about leadership presence, that counts for 25% of what it takes to get promoted. 
and being perceived as leadership material is essential to getting into these roles and to progressing. And when you look at black women, they're not seen as leadership material. And they're often underestimated and as we know, undervalued, like only 33% of black women feel valued in the workplace. So they're evaluated based on where they are today rather than their potential. And so when I think about these trends, I've been thinking about what can we do to support black women, to help them thrive on their leadership journey? Black women are leaving the workplace in droves. So what do we do? Not necessarily to stem that flow, but if companies are seriously focused on creating a pipeline of black leaders and representation, what can we do to support that? Because you know, as well as I do, that when we see people like ourselves, that provides motivation and inspiration. So PACT is really around delivering a personalized experiential leadership development program, particularly for black women. It's just designed and created for black women and it really takes the intersectionality of their lived experiences. It includes all the traditional components like a 360 assessment. One of the things that you'll find is that when it comes to feedback, and trust me, I've done a lot of 360 assessment interviews, surveys, and the feedback, if we take race out of it, the feedback that women get versus men is very different. And when it comes to black women, they don't really get substantive or, or actionable feedback. So how do we level that? How do we create an opportunity to provide feedback that, that is equitable and actionable? And then once we have that feedback, how do we start to think about your personal leadership vision and your leadership development plan? So once we do the feedback part, then we have leadership coaching circles where we bring a small cohort of women together, the same cohort over a six month period to start thinking about the ways in which they show up as a leader, opportunities for growth, and then creating a plan for advancement so that they can start to feel that they're owning their plan. Now, ideally, the part of this program and the next iteration, if not this iteration, is actually getting into the organizations and talking about organizations that are sponsoring their black female leaders and thinking about ways in which we can sort of like strategize around sponsorship. What does equitable sponsorship look like? What other relationships do they need to be thinking about? So that's, yeah, so that's PACT in a nutshell. PACT is an acronym, I'm assuming. Well, PACT is about commitment, right? It's about trust, it's about bonds. But, but what we've come up with is progression, acceptance, community, and tranquility. Mm, okay. It says a lot. So yes, it is I from the holistic to the actual impact of the word. So how are you rolling it out? How are you spreading the word? How are you rec recruiting women? How are you getting sponsors? Yes, that's a that's a really good question. So we I'm about to we're going to do I'm partnering with a friend to do this and we're going to have a webinar in a couple of weeks, two, three weeks around blind spots. Uh, and then we are going to start marketing it via social media. Uh, we're getting the website, the web pages are being built as we speak. I see the first cohort really being referrals um, from current clients. So right now my business is 95 to 98% referrals. So either repeat business with the same organizations or people that have left those organizations and now bringing me into their new organizations. So my client base has been really supportive. And every time I've shared packed with them that the, the concept, there's been a lot of support. But obviously, I would like everyone sure, to know about obviously. it. Sure, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because then it's wider, it's bigger. It's I mean, because as you're envisioning it, it's obviously virtual. 
And and so when I just think about scale, I think about, you know, and as we're rolling out of the, you know, the social distancing life that we've been living, a lot of this might be beneficial to have groups, right, that are actually in the same physical location. And so they actually get to have that interaction because I think work is also returning to in many cases, it's returning to the physical side of things. Okay. I mean, in some cases, I don't know why, but but yes. So there's an interesting opportunity for scaling, I can imagine. Yeah, and virtual makes sense. But long term, the idea is once we've had a few packed circles, like, is there a space to bring people together? You know, connecting it to Ghana, I would love to have you know, five to six circles and then having people, bringing people to Ghana or setting, you know, another place, country on the continent, right? Where we can think about sort of like some other ways in which we can participate and show up as leaders. Because the whole notion of PACT is that it's not just about a seat at the table. I'm talking about we create cohorts of women who want to create space at the table. So it's not about getting to the table, but it's about I'm at the table, let me pull up another chair for someone else to come to the table. Like, how do we uplift others? Because we believe that there's space for there's space for more than just one. Right. And so then when we think about that, then how do we support other people that look like us, but maybe not here in the US? That makes me wonder about um, I'm sure you have global clients as well. And so when you think about um, working with a leader in another market and another context, do you find many differences in terms of how you're, you're obviously this culture, but so what are some of the differences that you observe and, and how do you move with making them as great a leader as a leader that you're more familiar with their, their background? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. So let's look at England where the reckoning is, is there, right? People are starting to realize, but it's not necessarily the first thing that comes to mind, right? When you think about how you show up as a black person, slavery is the biggest sort of like differentiator, not to say that there weren't mm-hmm. slaves in England, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the whole understanding of slavery is very different. Like when I'm working with someone in England, they might say, I just wish we didn't have to deal with this i just wish it wasn't part of the but it is Mm. like when you show up in the Mm -hmm. room people see it and to some they may say they don't see it but some of the things that you're telling me those are microaggressions you've just been accustomed to them all of your life there's no language that you have for it but that's what's happening and so i'm not even sure if i'm making sense here i think also the first time I, the first time I sort of like, I, I belonged to a book club when I was in Texas. It was an African American book club. I remember asking my friend, "Where do you come from?" And she said, "North Carolina." And I said, "No, but where do you come from?" And she, she looked at me. She goes, "I don't know. I don't know where my people come from. I just know that North Carolina is the place that I know." And I, and I, it made me sort of like jump up because when I think about my friends and in England, most of us are first generation from somewhere, right? And that sort of like connection with our identity is it creates a very different lived experience. So when I moved to this country and I would go to interviews, people would say, well, tell me as an African-American woman, what have you learned? And you know, they would ask these questions around, but I'd say, but I'm not African-American. 
And they would look at me like puzzled, like, what do you mean? Haven't like, you heard my accent? <laughs> and I'd say, born in England, first generation Ghanaian. I can speak from that experience, but I can't speak from an African-American experience. It's not to say that I'm different. I am different, but not better, not less than. Like, we just have different experiences. And if I bring that round back to PACT, it's about the lived experiences. So the idea of PACT is that, yeah, we'll start here in the US and my partner's based in England, but we already know that the language has to be different. We already know that we have to think about sort of like, well, what are the sort of like, what are the pain points in England that we are that we need to take into account in, in our messaging and our language. Right, right, right. And even to the extent that you are dealing with, say, in Africa, where it's homogenous societies, and then there's just different embedded isms that are just kind of clouding the ability for what, I mean, there's, I think what we deal with to a large degree in this region or in Africa is patriarchy mm-hmm. to a large degree. And so that's it is what it is. And then and then we also have like spiritual bias that, or I don't say spiritual, I'm gonna call it religious bias that also plays a role in, in how people are able to excel, communicate and just be in the same space, which I don't think is as prevalent or in your face, and I could be wrong, in the US or in the UK. So yeah. I like that distinction. I mean, definitely patriarchy. Mm-hmm. And then the genderism. Yes. The, 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 the perception of how you show up as a woman in Ghana or Nigeria. I work with many clients in Ghana and Nigeria where sometimes they are the only woman on their team. And yet they have a family and it's their experience is very different. The, the expectations of them. But the one thing, the one similarity that I would say that you see across the different regions is this notion that we do do a lot of housekeeping mm-hmm. right we mm-hmm. do a lot of the mm-hmm. the caretaking a lot of the the organizing and so even trying to break that a little bit right, mm-hmm. to shift that mm-hmm. so it doesn't so when you're in those situations you don't feel that you have to take that burden yeah it's something that i find with no matter where the person is where the client yeah. is yeah 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 that's a that's a good distinction so this um is a good point to ask about mindset and so I'm wondering from you, what is your favorite or an innovative mindset hack? Now, this is one that you can imagine, one that you practice, or one that you know of. So two come to mind. Walking. I know that sounds strange, but movement. Mm. So I've been doing it consistently since last October. And sometimes, and I and I told my family that I was developing a relationship with the weather, a new relationship with the weather. And I was going to be like the United States Postal Service and I would walk no matter what the weather. Okay. <laughs> so anyone that- Good stuff. I told you I was a homebody. I also don't yeah. like to be cold. I have all the gear for all weathers, but- um, Yes. So walking, walking has been phenomenal for me in terms of mindset. Sometimes, Lawrence, I walk with my headphones on, listening to something, listening to a meditation, Many times I just have nothing because I just want to hear and I'm in Central Park mostly. Just want to hear what's happening. Not necessarily people talking because I spend my whole day listening, but I just want to hear what's happening. I just want to observe what's happening. But I find when I need to figure things out, I tend to walk with just the sounds of nature. And I just always feel so much better, but it, it actually helps to shift my mind. The other hack is around 
stories and like how we rewrite our stories. So, you know, a lot of the stories that we tell ourselves run our behavior. And even sometimes when our situation changes, we, the story still remains the same. So mm-hmm. a simple mm-hmm. example I can use mm-hmm. there is mm-hmm. that I learned to swim in 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah, I learned. I mean, my whole family swims, my husband swims, my kids swim. And it got to a point, it's like, how much time have I spent standing by this swimming pool, watching my kids learn to swim? And then also, whenever we go away, I'm just fearful, like, don't drown! Like, And I'm putting my fears, but they can swim. So I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to take the lessons, took the adult lessons. My kids, it's not that they found it funny in a teasing way. They just couldn't believe that I was getting into a pool to learn to swim. So I learned to swim. And the reason why I share that is because the narrative is that I'm scared. See, that's the old story coming. I'm not scared anymore, but I used to be fearful of water. And I know you love water and swimming. And so now I swim, but from time to time, I have to remind myself, you can swim now. Right. Like, I can, can imagine. Swim. Yeah. So it's yeah. rewriting yeah. the story. Some people do it with money, right? And how they were raised with money and how to rewrite your money story. But it's for me, it's rewriting the stories and really taking time. And I and I use that a lot in my work, right? When someone says, I'm like, well, wait, is that old Florence speaking or new Florence or evolving Florence speaking? Interesting. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think part of being able to write the story differently is kind of taking that space for yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like kind of understanding and and basically giving yourself the grace to figure out a new thing for yourself. So yeah, that's those are two great ones. Walking, I, movement is a good one. And yeah, changing that story. It's like manifesting ultimately, right? Yeah. In some ways, but yeah, 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 yeah. Nice ones, nice. Okay, so you you kind of started to move into the leisure side of, of who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to know who is Michelle when she's not coaching and changing the, the narrative for leaders and leadership. Are you a reader? Are you a watcher? Are you a listener? And what are some of your favorite reads, watches, or listens? Oh, wow, I love this. Can I be all three? Because I can't just be yes, one. I mean, many people are. Okay. Many people are. <laughs> First and foremost, I'm a listener. Right. I love okay. stories. Mm-hmm. I love understanding yep. people's stories. I consider it a huge privilege that people trust me enough to share their stories. Um, so, in terms of what I so I, I listen to my clients. My kids would tell you that I was probably a poor listener, but they are my toughest coaching clients to date. So, but, of um, course. <laughs> And then I like listening to podcasts, of course, music, meditations. Those are some of the things that I like listening to. I don't know if you need specific ones. Reading. Reading is my first love. I have always been a reader. Um, In terms of what I'm reading now, 15 Commitments to Conscious Leadership. I'm rereading a Peter Block book, and it's about why. I'll get you the title. I think it's um, The Answer to How is Yes. Peter Block. Oh, I like that. The answer to how is yes. Okay. Uh-huh. And then radical responsibility. How to move beyond blame. Mm. Fearlessly live your highest purpose and become an unstoppable force for good. Phenomenal book. Phenomenal book. His story is very interesting. So would you say you're more of a, a nonfiction reader? Well- <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I'll never forget, yes, more of a non-fiction. I'll never forget one of our friends in common came around to my apartment many years ago and said, I just thought you would have more self-help books. And I said to him, oh, really? <laughs> I said to him, I do, they're all in the bedroom. <laughs> all over um i mean they're all over I me mean, the other day i was like i was i was this happened to be in the bedroom my daughter was reading i'm like what are you reading she's i'm reading this book and i think it was one of my books and she says i'm reading about this notion of you making space ah. and i'm trying to figure out how to get you to make space like how how do i get people to make space but this is what she's reading she's not reading a story to, she's reading one of my professional development books so yes in terms of watching, I watch uh-huh. a lot of medical shows, Florence. Like um, reality medical shows? Oh, Grey's okay. Anatomy. Okay. Okay. So that's my <laughs> that's my drama piece. Now look, Grey's Anatomy to me has so many phenomenal sort of like life lessons and leadership lessons and principles. Okay, it's true. Mm-hmm. There's so much in there that I honestly like I do believe secretly I fantasize about just having a a leadership blog just based on Grey's Anatomy. That is actually a really creative idea because the show's been on forever and it's still on. So it really does speak, like those shows that have longevity are clearly doing something for the culture, right? They're really like influencing people's mindset. They're opening people's minds. I mean, because they're they're exploring topics that are relevant to our lives. Like I, I don't watch too much TV, but I remember the early years and the storylines were, you know, they were real. The global culture and the individual, you know, struggles. Yeah. I, I remember watching the first few episodes and I, and you what you hear is you sort of like hear the internal dialogue and it used to think why are they putting what that what what does that make sense and now I think about like where I am today that makes so much sense because that's the intern that's the battle that we have like those that voice and that narrative on our head like how do we bring it to the fore how do we sort of like confront it? and use it to move forward rather than holding us back. So there's a lot there that I could talk about. Well, we know Shondaland is a whole yeah. <laughs> it's a whole other thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I took so during the pandemic, I you know, I've always been a like online and finder of things and information, but I signed up for a masterclass membership during the pandemic. And so mm. I took one of her a mass, her writing masterclass. And so as compared to many others, hers was so excellent because she really went through process and actually had sessions and like actually coached other writers as part of what it was. Mm. So it was very, very interesting. But you got to see a lot of the ways that she is really thinking about how to keep an audience which is what TV is about. Like you really, you can tell stories, but to keep an audience, there are different ways of, of telling a story that that really kind of put that together. So I'm going to have to look yeah. that one up. That's that. I yeah, love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took many master classes, particularly with writers like Margaret Atwood. Hers was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, Salma Rushdie. Very good. And Kate Jamison, like I'm big on science fiction. So yeah, there, I mean, I found that the master classes that writers gave were probably the best. Yeah. I mean, there's probably more by now, but at the time when I took it, I was just like, these are the best. Like, you know, and then they had their poster. One of the poster people was that gardener guy. <laughs> I don't know his name. I'll put in the show notes, folks. But uh, this guy in Los Angeles who talked about gardening, I was like, oh, that's a good one. And then, you know, there's ones for people who cook or whatever. I'm not really trying to shamelessly plug masterclass, but... 
but I am all about self-improvement and you, you do have the power to like find information and, and really, you know, expand your mind. So you told me mm-hmm. what you listen, what you're reading, you're watching. Okay. Aside from Grey's, what, what's another one that we may, might be a little known medical show that we can share with the audience? A little known transplant coming out of um, Canada. Ah, um, okay. And the main the main character uh-huh. is a refugee. Interesting. From Syria, and he's a he's a trained doctor, and he someone gives him a chance at this hospital mm. because he saves the medical director's life. But it came out in twenty twenty. I think it's on season three. It's it's nice because it's gives another lens through someone that you know did not grow up in canada um ah okay is not of this culture Uh and and just how he's having to unlearn some of like being a medic in a war-torn country is very different from being a medic in a country and it's just right yeah 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 okay that's a good one that's a good gem so there's yeah okay good so again show notes are really great so michelle this has been an awesome hour plus that we spent together. And I know your time is very precious, so I don't want to keep you much longer. But I do want to capture any last thoughts on leadership, on coaching. What would you like, what gem would you like to leave with our audience as we uh, take our leave? Yeah, I think it's really hard to know how to lead or how you need to lead if you don't know where you're going, right? And so this notion of like re- being thoughtful and intentional about your leadership vision and where you want to go, I think is something that I would love to see people spend more time doing. Like just really thinking about where is it that I'm going as a leader? Who am I today? What are the gaps and how do I get Mm, there? mm -hmm. I guess that's the starting point for everyone. Yeah. And it's not about, it's not always about the deficit. It's more about how do we build on what you have. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So see where you're going and feel yourself there, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. Ask. See yourself mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Where can we find you and where can we find Pact? Let us know. On my website, myfactorcoach.com. Hopefully I'll send you some information that you can put on your show notes around um, the web pages, the, the pages that will be live okay, good. in the next week or two. And then um, I have also a vision guide that, that people can download as okay, well. Okay, so free, free um, stuff that, that for I you can, people. Free, free stuff. Yep, Let's. Yep. So I'll send you that okay. link. And then I do a newsletter every month that sort of like my thoughts on leadership that people might find inspiring or helpful. So yeah. So a few instructions, future leaders and present leaders. My Factor Consulting, sign up for the um, newsletter, as well as keep an eye out for PACT and recommend referrals are, they work. That's why we do these things as well. So recommend someone, get in touch with Michelle and her team if you're looking to level up. And that's all for today. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me, Florence. This was great. It was really great to be here. And um, thank you again. Yeah, I appreciate your time so, so, so much. So, local citizens, this has been another episode of the podcast. You can catch us on Tuesdays with new episodes at localcitizenspod.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Please do like, share, subscribe, leave a review. I'm going to make a confession, folks. I don't have a single review for this podcast. Not one single review. Get great feedback from people all the time. But if you're listening to this right now and you've been a listener for a while, just say it's great. And that will help other people find 
great content online. So yes, I'm gonna leave you with that nugget. And until next time, bye for now.